Do please turn with me this morning to Genesis and chapter 7, a familiar chapter, and we have weighty things to consider this morning. If there are three words that I want you to go away with in your thoughts and will help us to guide us through these verses, it's these three words, mercy, obedience, and judgment. God's free mercy, the requirement for human obedience, and the certainty of divine judgment. Well, we read here in verse 1 of chapter 7, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thine house. We've been thinking in recent weeks of the two kinds of people. There are only two kinds of people. I'm not describing any other characteristics. The Bible says there are the ungodly, And there is the godly. The chapters of Genesis are so clear. There are those who are for God, the godly, the righteous. They're not righteous themselves. They're not good people. But God considers them righteous. We shall look at it. And then there's everybody else who still have their sin and they walk in their sin and they have no thought for God and they've not bowed their knee, they, the Bible says, are the ungodly. Which are you this morning? Are you considered, not by me, by God, to be godly? To have some characteristics in a growing way of being like God? Or are you just a human person, natural, against God? You've not yet had your sins washed. You're not considered by the mighty judge to be righteous. And we'll look at what that means. Divine mercy, human obedience, and the certainty of judgment. What is the gospel? What is the message? Let me put it as simply as I possibly can this morning. We all deserve judgment. All of us. I'm standing above you this morning, but I'm no different. I stand above you because the word of God should be above us. But we're all the same. And all of us deserve judgment because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God sets a standard which is so high, so holy, we can't understand it. He lives in perfect holiness. And he desired that we should live in perfect holiness. But we don't and we can't. And so because of that, there's only one hope for me and for you. And the hope is not a faint, fickle, feeble hope. It's a certain, solid hope. 
When the Bible speaks of hope, it's not wishful thinking. It's a certainty. And we'll consider it here. The hope that we have as Christians is mercy. Mercy. We shall look at that. So let's consider it. I want to see two different aspects of mercy. There are many others in this chapter, but we just look at two. And the first is in the first verse, and it's in the word come. Come. If you want to describe the Bible and the gospel in one word, that word come is as good as you can find. Noah, come. Whose ark is the ark? Is it Noah's ark? No, it's not really. Noah made it, but God planned it. And when the ark has been built, who does the inviting? It's the Lord who calls Noah. Do you see that? 120 years, he's made his own house. The house that will stand in the worst storm that the world has ever known, and yet he has to wait for an invitation to come in. Is it Noah's ark? No. That's just what the children are told. It's not Noah's ark. It's the Lord's ark. There is only one way of salvation and that's the salvation that the Lord gives and it starts with that one word come Noah you now need to come inside you will be rescued in exactly the same way as the other seven people who are saved do you know not everybody is saved that's a shock to some people There's people here this morning and you think you're safe. You think you'll go to heaven one day. You're just making a presumption and an assumption that because you've born in a nominally Christian country, maybe here, maybe Nigeria, maybe another country where there are many people that worship, but you're not yet safe because you've not yet heard the word that the Lord says, come, leave where you are, leave everything, your home, your possessions, your friends, your job, leave it all behind if you need to, and come, Noah, come. That's the message of mercy. Leave your hopes Leave your ambitions, leave your human plans, and come to me. There's only one place of safety. That's to be in the ark. The ark, as we thought two weeks ago, is Christ. Jesus Christ is the ark. You need to come into Christ, and then you will be safe. Come, a kind invitation. Could it be more simple? Some people have made a mistake and they've said, you need to ask people to come to the front of the building. You need to ask them to come and sign a piece of paper. But no, 
You need to come and get on your knees and pray and to respond to the invitation which the Lord gives, which is to leave and to cleave to Christ. Leave the world, leave your sin, and cleave to the only salvation, which is Christ. Well, it's a kind invitation, it's an urgent invitation, it's actually a command. Come, come! But look at the rest of this verse, this might confuse you. It says, come into the ark, the only way of salvation, for I have seen the righteous before me. Was Noah better? Was Noah worthy of being saved? Was he a more righteous person than me and you? No. And Noah would have told you the same. Noah fell into sin. Noah got drunk after the flood. Noah was just the same as me and you. But what does this mean? I have seen that you are righteous. Your heart is for me. And I have seen that you're righteous before me. Do you know that's what counts? What matters is not what other people think of you. Not what you're like before anybody else. Ultimately, the only thing that matters is before God. What am I like before God? How does he see me? How does he see my heart? Does he see my heart as being selfish, preoccupied with my plans, my ambitions, my wants, the things that I insist upon at home? Or does he see me as a person who in this unrighteous, sinful generation, this heart is for God. This heart desires to please God. This heart's not perfect, it's a sinner. But before God, my desire, my true desire is to live for God, to please God, and to obey God. That's what Noah's heart was like because he'd found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's not obedience that saves us. It's obedience that shows what's gone on within the life, within the heart. I'm a disobedient person. I break his laws. I lie. I cheat. I steal. And then the Lord comes and works in my heart. Grace. To change the heart. To give me a desire to live for God, to please God. And as the Lord looks at Noah, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees somebody whose sin has been covered, who's been washed, who's now considered to be righteous, not unrighteous. Do you know what we call this? It's the great truth that Martin Luther had to rediscover in the Reformation. He called it justification. Noah was a sinner. God looked at him 
and said, Not a sinner. Noah was not right with God, but Noah was made right with God because Noah knew grace. And Noah knew his sin taken away. And even though Noah was a sinner, when the Lord looked at him, he saw him as righteous. Noah, far from God, is brought near to walk with God because he's found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's mercy. Mercy has worked in his life and now the Lord's verdict is this. I have seen you righteous before me. I've looked at your heart. You're no longer living for the world. You're living by faith because the world is going to be destroyed in Noah's time and one day it will be destroyed in our time. And so the Lord says, this man, Noah, justified. He's declared righteous. Even though he has sin, the sin is taken away and my righteousness has been put into his life. Justification, the great doctrine of the Reformation, put right, not right, but made right by God himself. Because, how does it happen? Noah had exercised faith in God, not in himself, not in what he could do, but he believed the Lord would provide. The Lord would save him. The Lord would make him right and take his sin away. Justification is a declaration of God. God declares, this woman is declared right, no longer ungodly. I declare that man, that woman as godly in my sight. Well, that's the first illustration of mercy. Let's look at verse 4. This is very striking. Noah is busy. He's collecting and he's organizing the animals. There will be seven of some of the animals. Quite clearly, these are animals which will be sacrificed. Some of them need to be kept. Two isn't enough. Two, to reproduce, but seven of clean animals because after the flood there will be the need for sacrifice because there will still be sin in the world. Yes, the world will be cleansed. The sinfulness will be washed away. It will be reshaped. But still the sin within the eight souls that will go on to the ark And there will be a constant need for washing, for cleansing, and for sacrifices to be made. And so he goes and gathers in sevens, male and female, preparing for the problem of sin after the flood. But look at verse 4. For yet seven days. That's very striking. Seven days. Noah's been called. 
He's been called to come into the ark by invitation, by command. But seven days. How long did it take the Lord to make the world? Six days. And then one day he made to keep the Lord's day and to make it a covenant. So seven days to make the world and to make the covenant that we are to keep. Seven days of creation, as it were. Seven days for judgment to fall. Seven days for mercy to continue until the judgment falls. Verse 4, for yet seven days, the commentators, the theologians, they make a lot of this. Seven days, they'd had 120 years. And the Lord in his mercy says, no, it's not enough. I'm going to give one more week. One more week. Noah, preach. Tell them. Tell them in seven days the message will go round. Noah, the one that's preached. Just turn to Matthew 25. I can't resist. Matthew 24. I can't resist reading these words to describe this is the Lord Jesus. He believed in Noah. This is what he says. Matthew 24. Let's read from verse 36. But of that day, speaking of the second coming of the Lord Jesus and the final judgment, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, the Bible believes in the flood, Christ believes in the flood, the Gospels believe in the flood, what were they doing? Eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. What was the point of getting married when there was only seven days to go? Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And these people, the people that wouldn't listen, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is to us a warning. The vast majority of the world didn't believe the flood would come. It believed that God's word was not true. It believed that what Noah preached was nonsense. And the Lord said, seven more days. Give them another week. Can you in your mind's eye just imagine a conversation between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that planned everything? Oh, I can imagine this. I don't know whether this is fair and true. One of the members of the Godhead says, yes, but judgment will fall because of the sin of the world. 
Maybe it was Christ says, but there must be more mercy. Seven more days. And then let the judgment fall. Methuselah's name. They knew that that would be one more year when he dies. He died a year before the flood. When he dies, it will come. And then Noah says, I've heard God has spoken to me. Seven days. I will cause it to rain for 40 days, 40 nights, and I will destroy everything comprehensively. This isn't a story. This is speaking of the second judgment, Matthew 24. This is another signpost. One day, the Lord has promised that it will only be once more. The rainbow tells us, I will not flood the earth again, but one day, Christ will return. Let's look at Noah. His faithful obedience. The end of chapter 6, thus did Noah, verse 22, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah was so faithful. What do we sing with the children? Trust and obey, for there's no other way. That's what Noah did. Verse 5, chapter 7, if in case you've missed it, he says again, Moses recording what Noah did, and Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Do you know when the Lord speaks, it's not a request, it's not a wish, it's not a desire, it's a command. Make an ark. Pitch it inside, outside, make rooms. Make it so big, six times longer, you know, and Noah followed it to the letter. Do you notice the word all? All? When the Lord speaks to us as he does, surely through his word, through our consciences, how do we respond? Noah did according to all the Lord commanded. Here's the gospel. You're going to drown in your sin. Judgment will fall. Repent. Come. There's mercy for seven more days. Come. And then it will be over. Noah believed. He needed lots of faith, didn't he? So much faith. But the Lord gave it to him. Noah didn't know what this ark would look like. He didn't know how the floods would cover the mountains. But Noah believed by faith. He believed in mercy. He believed that he needed to obey. And once he'd obeyed, the judgment would fall. Trust 
and obey. Our obedience does not save us. Don't get that wrong. I will go to heaven because I've obeyed. No, you won't. Because none of us can deal with our sin. We are obedient because we have a heart that desires to live for God, to please God, because we have a new heart that now beats for God, breathes for God. That's what Noah did. His obedience was a sign of his faith. It was a demonstration of his faith. Noah obeyed. But there's one thing here I want to show you. What happens? Noah collects the animals. If you're wondering how the animals came, oh, that's not such a hard riddle. The God that made the animals? Can he not just give a word? And all the animals would come. Surely that's what happened. Noah couldn't possibly, eight people couldn't possibly bring all the animals. But the Lord that made the animals can bring them in. And so he did. But verse 16, here's the important verse. Do you know there's a linkage between obedience and what we call assurance. Is there anybody doubting this morning? Do you not know if you're a believer? Are you struggling with doubts? Is God there? Has God forgiven me? Will I be in heaven? Verse 16. And they that went in, male and female, four men, four women, as God commanded him. That's the message of the gospel. Obey. Obey the command to come. But there's a linkage. When we obey and put our faith in Christ, what does the Lord do? It wasn't Noah that called, and it wasn't Noah that shut the door. The Lord shut him in. And you know, I think that speaks of assurance. When you know you are in the ark, you know you're in Christ, you have certain salvation. This is about assurance. The Lord shut him in because he'd put his faith in Christ. He'd obeyed God's word. He believed that there would be a judgment. Because of that, the Lord shuts Amen. There's only one door, and the Lord shuts it. And that's what he does for you and I this morning. If you've put your faith in Christ, don't put your faith in stars, celebrities. Don't put your confidence in bricks and mortar. Put your confidence in Christ. And when you do that, He will give you such assurance, it's like being shut into an unsinkable ark. The Lord shut him in. When we put our faith and obedience in Christ, we have assurance, peace, safety, security. I'm in Christ. Nobody can take my salvation away. Is that arrogant to say that? No. Noah knew he was safe because the Lord shut him in. Well, let's look thirdly. We've thought of 
divine mercy through the call to come and through the seven days we've thought of Noah's obedience and the linkage between obedience and assurance. But thirdly, we have to speak shortly for the divine judgment. Did Noah know when the flood would come? No, he, he didn't until the seven days was announced. He didn't know exactly the day. Is there anything in the Bible more date signed than the flood? Just look. After seven days. After 120 years. And then we read in verse 11, it was in the 600th year of Noah's life. It gives the month, the day, it was exact fulfillment. We read in the New Testament. Nobody knows when Christ will come again, but we can be sure he will. He will come again. Noah didn't know until the pistol had been shot seven days. And then the rain would be felt. What were they doing? Eating, drinking, making merry, pretending that God had not spoken, pretending that his word wasn't true. And then they felt the rain on their face. I wonder what they thought. And then it gets heavier. We're getting wet. Oh, we've not seen rain like this before. A day of rain. Forty days of rain. And the final tree and the final top of a mountain is covered. And now the people, they're helpless and they're hopeless. Do you know the people in the ark, they were also helpless. They couldn't do anything now. They were shut in. But the difference was they might have been helpless, but they were not hopeless. Because Christ was with them. And if Christ is with us in the vessel, in the middle of the storm, we don't need to fear anything. Because Christ had shut them in and this unsinkable ark as the floods come up look how it's described the great deep was broken up all the water in the canopy of the earth suddenly comes down in rain and the floods come up a hundred and fifty days it took for the waters to subside Everything was exactly as God said it would be. Everything. To the letter. To the day. To the hour. And it always is. What happens to the ark? It gets surrounded. The word says that the waters prevailed. It's the word we use when an army conquers everybody. Imagine the waters coming up to the mountains and some had hidden in the caves and the water washes them out and some are holding on to the trees and the waves knock them off 
This water was like a prevailing army. It was all victorious. There was no hiding place except to be in Christ. My friends, this morning, there is no hiding place for us because of our own sin. We live in a wicked world today, a world which is degenerating. And there's no hiding place. Families dividing, children affected by sin. And yet you can come to Christ. He's the one that covers us, protects us. He's a rock that you can cling to. He is my hiding place. He's mighty to save. Divine mercy. But notice the mercy comes before the judgment. When the judgment comes, it's too late for mercy. Mercy has gone. The seven days have ended. We have seven days before we will come together again. What will happen in these seven days? Will you make your peace with God? Will mercy come to your life? Or will you be drowned in your own sin? Maybe there's somebody here, I'll never see you again. This will be the last time you hear the word mercy from my lips. Mercy before judgment. But mercy is no good unless you obey. Noah obeyed. He put his faith in the ark, which is Christ. And the Lord shut him in. And he was totally secure and safe. Are you in Christ? Have you had your sins forgiven? The sin of the world is going to be washed away in this flood. The sin of the eight on the ark has also been washed. But it will need to be going on, being washed again and again because there will be fresh sin. But the Lord has made provision for that, even in the animals that are on the ark. God has planned salvation. And he offers mercy again and again. But we must exercise faith. There's no point sitting, waiting. You personally need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. He will not do it for you. You need to trust in Jesus Christ. You need to hear his call today. Harden not your heart. Go to Christ. Far, far better to be in Christ and his love and his mercy than drowning in a world of sin.